0: Once again, Rinpoche explained emptiness in a very simple fashion as being dependent origination. What are things empty of? They are empty of intrinsic existence. What are they void of? They are void of intrinsic existence. So when these words are used, they merely mean that because things have parts, Because things are a collection that comes together and serves as a basis for designation, they are empty, they are not singular, they do not have intrinsic nature, they are interdependent.
1: (coughs) Jibber <coughs> <coughs> Uh, If we are to
0: summarize Lord Buddha's teachings, we can summarize them into three categories. So, if we take the entire Kanjur, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha and the Tanjur, the authentic Indian commentaries, uh, and were to try to summarize them, we would uh, be able to into three categories. And that's what we find in the Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment. It's actually a commentary on Lord Atisha's work which is called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment which is a text that broke the teachings down into those three categories in a way that a practitioner from the beginning stages till the end could understand how to progress along the path. Um, So Atisha wrote a poem poem in a very short form and then Laman Tsongkhapa wrote various sized texts, this being the largest to explain that poem that Atisha wrote and the intended meaning of the the teachings for beings of three capacities. So this is how you divide the teachings into three categories. They're called the teachings for beings of three capacities. First category of teachings are for beings who wish to achieve higher realm rebirth. This practitioner engages in going for refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, engages in ethical behavior that abandons the ten non-virtues dependence on those practices, he or she achieves higher realm rebirth. The next category, the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity, are, for te- are teachings for beings who wish to achieve their own individual liberation or nirvana. Uh, these practices are the three highest higher trainings, the highest higher training in ethics, concentration, and wisdom, and independence upon those three highest higher trainings, he or she is able to achieve his or her own individual nirvana. Um, the next category of, of teachings are called the Teachings for Beings of Great Capacity. And these are teachings that lead to Buddhahood um, and these teachings are uh, um, the, uh, the, uh, the practices already mentioned coupled with generation of bodhicitta, the mind that aspires to enlightenment and then the practice of the six perfections and independence upon those uh, practices and teachings he or she achieves Buddhahood. So this is how uh, can divide all of lord buddha's teachings into three categories de somme remeche
1: that the kunu de bat no no de bat i gore zumba kunu to de kunu de ba mai no shesu bana thanye vicme zamba to la shae thanye do zamba imadala shamrongo de de oma bethanye do I'm going to lose it. i i De ta, moi maï, né, Je Tanyatu Never a be Rajin rendu konva lola Je या yeah. 리빈노범메 and the twenty twenty is the twenty the ये लो ज़रूर चुन हैं जो भी मिश्र जिन्हें जेह जावो शेष जावे ये भी तो तो जावो
0: किसी ने क्या इंजीकेटर होया ये देख चरण काबर कास्म होया ये साथ दे देख चरण जुगु आ चुजा okay toga okay
1: 628
0: just establishing where we're gonna stop and start okay chapter 14 which isn't a chapter in the Tibetan
1: <coughs>
0: conventional existence in this way, we Madhyamakas posit conventionally within our own system many presentations of cyclic existence in Nirvana. We also refute the conventional existence of constructs that are put forward as unique assertions by essentialists. As this is extremely difficult, accurate knowledge of the presentation of the two truths scarcely exists. Misunderstanding may arise as follows. When we refute the conventional existence of the constructs that the essentialists assert, we must carry out the refutation using rational analysis. Moreover, in talking that our own stance on matters such as the existence of conventional production and cessation, reflective individuals will decide what to assert, according to what can be proven, and proof is based in a sequence of reasoning. Taking into this into consideration, some feel that under rational analysis, the proposed com- conventions of production, etc., and the imaginary constructs of essentialists have the same status as either contradicted or not contradicted by reason. Thus, if they deny the conventional existence of constructs such as divine, thus, if they deny the conventional existence of constructs such as a divine creator or a primal essence, then they must also deny the conventional existence of forms and such. If they hold that forms do exist conventionally, that then they would also have to accept the existence of a divine creator. They see those two as equivalent. They say it is inappropriate for their own system to identify or to assert any phenomena. This is such and such. This is not such and such. They presume that in this they have found the Madhyamaka reality. Further, in accordance with such understanding, they hold that stabilizing your mind without apprehending anything at all is cultivation of the genuine Madhyamaka view." Uh, There are a great many who assert this. So here again, speaking of the Hashan view, uh, where just empty your mind, not have a thought, no conceptual thought. Now that's emptiness, to empty your mind. Um, It is evident that such talk does not please the learned, for having failed to identify the objects negated by reason as explained above, those who say this this use the arguments that refute intrinsic existence to destroy all presentations of conventionalities. Consequently, theirs is a highly inaccurate position. It treats the correct view and the wrong view as the same in degree to which they are mistaken or non-mistaken. As a result, prolonged habituation to such a view does not bring you the least bit closer to the correct view. In fact, it stands you farther away from it, for such a view stands in stark contradiction to the path of dependent arising, the path in which all the teachings on the dependent arisings of cyclic, existent nirvana are tenable within our own system. Therefore, Chandakirti's commentary on the middle way says, the self is as it is imagined by the non-Buddhist philosophers who are disturbed by the sleep of ignorance and things that are ascribed to mirages, magicians, illusions, and so forth do not exist even for the world. He says that what is imagined in the unique assertions of non-Buddhist philosophers or according to the earlier citation in the unique assertions of Buddhist essentialists does not exist even conventionally in our own Madhyamaka system. I will explain this point. How does one determine whether something exists conventionally? We hold that something exists conventionally. One, if it is known to a conventional consciousness, and two, if no other conventional valid cognition contradicts it being as it is thus known, and three, if reason that accurately analyzes uh, If reason that accurately analyzes reality, that is, analyzes whether something intrinsically exists, does not contradict it. Uh, We hold that what fails to meet these criteria does not exist. In a sense, conventional consciousness operates in a non-inquisitive manner. It operates only within the context of how a given phenomena appears to it without analyzing, is this how the object actually exists, or does it just appear this way to my mind? It is called non-analytical consciousness, but it is not the case that it is utterly unquisitive. It operates within the context of how things are, how things are known to a worldly or conventional consciousness. To, to, it does not operate via this kind of Therefore, it it does not operate via analysis of how things actually exist. Therefore, it is called mundane knowledge. This kind of consciousness occurs in all persons, whether or not they have become involved in philosophical tenet systems. Um, Thus, no matter whose mind stream it occurs in, this is called mundane knowledge or non-analytical consciousness. It is called. Let me just reread this. It is called non-analytical consciousness, but it is not the case that it is utterly non-inquisitive. It operates within the context of how things appear, how they are known to a worldly conventional consciousness. It does not operate via, via analysis of how things actually exist. Therefore it is called mundane knowledge. Okay. This kind of consciousness occurs in all persons, whether or not they have become involved in philosophical tenet systems. Thus no matter whose mind stream it occur it occurs in this is called mundane knowledge or non analytical
1: consciousness. <laughs> to to de batuna to to de batunil logatunil to to de ba pomonga to joarens subonga <coughs> pomonga subala ma de ba ramat joba marwa ramat joba mehabdullah to
0: Okay, so now we're speaking of the conventional and truths and ultimate truths. Conventional truths are um, forms uh, and so forth, the things that we just normally just observe, the conventional things, cars, forms, colors, shapes, people, uh, conventional. Uh, ultimate refers to emptiness, and what emptiness refers to is the reality of objects. The reality of objects is that they are empty. What are they empty of? Empty of having some independent self. So, um, for instance, an object is merely... uh, actually, Rinpoche used the I. So, when we look at I, or the self, the I is merely a collection of things that come together, of aggregates, the five aggregates and so forth, um, that come together this, and become a collection of things. And then this collection of things serves as a um, basis of desi- an appropriate basis of designation for a name. And then it is named as this or that. But without that collection, without that collection coming together, there is no I that can be found. Um, so it's merely designated, on, not on, uh, almost like on top of, or designate, no, designated to that collection. Um, So this is uh, what, so that lack of um, intrinsic nature, or that lack of true self is the object's emptiness. So that is its ultimate truth. So when we speak of ultimate truth is emptiness, that means that Objects are ultimately empty of intrinsic nature, so that's what emptiness refers to in this context. It doesn't mean that it's empty, it's not there, it's void. That word is used a lot, but all it ever means is it's void of something, it's void of intrinsic nature, it's void of not requiring interdependence. If, um, so Um, And just as a translator's note, Rinpoche does the exercise where um, you say, is this the eye? Is my hand the eye? Is my finger the eye? Is my chest the eye? Are my legs the eye? And then when you start to uh, disintegrate, take all these things away, you say, oh, then there must be no eye. But there's someone talking. There's someone sitting here that has all these parts. So what is there here? There is a collection that comes together and then is appropriate to be named Jeff and appropriately to be named I, but there's no singular Jeffs, no soul that's separate out there that's findable beyond, findable without this comings together um, of a collection of some sort, um, of some sort. Um, And then we always, as a joke when we debate, how many things can you chop off before people don't know Jeff's there, you know? Like so um, so anyway, uh, so uh, that is what we speak of when we speak of conventional forms and just everyday things that exist. That's the they exist, but they have no intrinsic existence conventionally or ultimately according to the final view. Diggsong I don't know
1: where we are. ये Madhabi ई you the नवाला 就你要 Jubi 这一点没练说他所身为过高速 <coughs> <coughs> mina de chebani राज्य जी Boys are friends, and those who 제제들아 Oh, no, 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 do no, no, don't know no, no,
0: no, 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 Okay, no, 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 do not suppose that it exists only in the mind streams of those worldly persons who are not involved in philosophical tenet systems those who are involved in such such systems may often have minds that analyze its conventional, is conventional knowledge accurate or does the object exist this way in reality still how could all their consciousnesses analyze how things actually exist therefore if you want to understand what worldly knowledge is you cannot ask only those worldly elders who hold no philosophical tenets. However, it is sufficient to consider how non-anacholytical minds operate in the mindstreams of the two parties in a debate. What those, these consciousnesses know is the perceptual or experimental basis for the construction of conventional language. Ordinary people do not understand karma and its effects, the levels and paths, or such matters, but they hear about and experience them thereby taking them as objects. As this is so, they appear even to ordinary consciousnesses that are not analyzing how things actually exist. But um, we thus avoid the fallacy that these would not be things that the world knows. Other conventional valid cognitions do not contradict that which can exist conventionally. For example, a consciousness that does not analyze how things actually exist may think that a rope is a snake or the mirage is water. However, conventional valid cognition does contradict the objects apprehended by consciousness. Uh, So those objects do not exist even conventionally. A reasoning consciousness that accurately analyzes whether something intrinsically exists does not contradict that which exists conventionally. What is posited conventionally must be established by a conventional valid cognition. In addition, reasoning consciousnesses that accurately analyze whether it intrinsically exists definitely must not contradict it in any way. Whatever such reasoning establishes as existing must exist conventionally, so it is contradictory for such to be a conventional object. Because of this, it is wrong to confuse, one, not being contradicted by a reasoning consciousness, and two, not being a reasoning consciousness, such confusion is the basis for the misconceptions that the following two propositions stand equally both true or both false." Pleasure and pain arise conventionally from virtue and non-virtue. Pleasure and pain arise from a divine creator and a primal essence. This misconception is incorrect. The two propositions are equivalent to the extent that a line of reasoning that accurately analyzes whether things intrinsically exist will establish neither. But the two are alike in all respects. One is contradicted by reasoning. The other is not. a partless object and subject, a self, a primal essence, a divine creator—such things are imaginary constructs put forth in the unique assertions of Buddhist and non-Buddhist conventionalities. We, when they posit such, they do not, after rational analysis of such rational analysis, where are we? when they posit such, they do so after rational analysis of whether such things. exist ag- essentially exists. They think that this sort of rational analysis will discover these things. Thus, because they assert that these things can withstand rational analysis, they have to accept that outsiders outside of their schools can perform such rational analysis in order to discover whether those things intrinsically exist. When analyzed in this way, such things cannot withstand the pressure of inquiry by impeccable reasoning. Thus, when reason does not mind them They stand refuted, for if they did not, did exist, such reasoning would have have to find them. We posit forms and such... Such only as they are known to conventional consciousnesses that are not impaired by internal or external causes of error. We do not assert them as part of a system in which an analysis of whether they are mere conventions or instead have objective existence will find that they are essentially or intrinsically existent. Thus rational analysis of whether they intrinsically exist is irrelevant because we do not assert that these objects can withstand rational analysis. For example, if someone claims this is a sheep, it is appropriate to analyze this claim by asking, is it a horse or an elephant? It, it is inappropriate to analyze the claim by asking, is it a horse or an elephant? Uh, this is similar. There are things that have been known to the world from beginningless time. I think that's where we stopped. That's where we stopped. Deeksong Rimachay, Jeeked in.
1: Dingi Idalja, Chungatulja, Shiva Zambo, Chin Chong, Chivatalija, A. Then Dingi Lamayja, Chungu Malja, what the name of it. Um, so
0: when we analyze how experiences occur karmically, we see that there are degrees of karma or action that we engage in. Um, and those those actions are either positive or negative. If they are the greatest degree of negativity, if our actions have the are the greatest negative or the greatest degree of negativity, it give rise to the most negative um, um, uh, existence which is the hell realm. Um, if they are a medium degree of negativity then they give rise to a medium, um, level in the lower realms of cyclic existence which is the hungry ghost and if they are a small degree of negativity or non-virtue then they give rise to the animal realm Um, and then the also is true the opposite is true for virtue or positive deeds if they're the greatest degree of of positivity or greatest degree I'm using the word positive for virtue um, um, because Rimache is using an alternative word in there than virtue but it, it means virtue, but he's using an alternative word, so I'm using an alternative word. Um, so, the, if the greatest degree of um, positivity or greatest degree of virtue gives rise to the gods' realms, the medium degree to the demigods, and the small degree to the human realms. Um, so, this is how um, experiences are dependent upon the degrees of their cord- concordant actions. The degrees of their um, concordant uh, causes, which are actions. That's it. Degrees of concordant causes, which are actions. DIG SUNG RIMACHE
1: JINEE NA THOMA MEBANA JHABHI THIN YIYANG RIVI NUBI NUNA THANYEDANG MEBANA MARIBI NGHO <laughs> BO NALA RANGI NGHO CHUVA to tabad na je de rogingu robar ma da ma e ma e azembar khasan ge khasan ge khasan dheng ge reema zembar soje na soje nu na embe je de na gha tabasa je dabamino I was to Inbound, the 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 这是什么意识的 mada 呢個比的dala नाया भी मैं भी on <tellan> <tellan> <tellan-> So now we're beginning to get into a section that explains, or,
0: or, or not explains, but um, where uh, we find the Four Noble Truths being uh, introduced. Uh, the Truth of Suffering, the Truth of Origin, the Truth of Path, I mean the Truth of Cessation and the Truth of Path. Um, And then, in a more extensive way, if we were to look at that subject matter, we would look at it in terms of the four of four, the 16 attributes of the Four Noble Truths. So each of the Four Noble Truths having four specific attributes. Um, So the cursory glance is at the just outer four as the sentence. um, This is the truth of suffering. This is the truth of origin. This is the truth of cessation. This is the truth of... of, um, Half. Um, but then there are the various ways that the Buddha presented them as well as the attributes that each among them have. Deeksarma Mache. Chikavi. Okay. Chikavi are it. Chikavi are it.
1: Chikavi are yeah,
0: just go. go just did that. That's our They the lipson. Oh. They turned the lipson. They and they hung a low son Rimbache. They were the low They and now. They The let's go
1: things known to the
0: world
1: mm-hmm. 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 Yo 尼<音> <Survivor speed vrai> しょや<音> Jesus me मदाबा na ye na ye sama son la सजे jishine
0: kana yabu de truadan lenja the okay gungin de le labu kana the chuadan lenja the the okay uh neha de kabiare hakogu Thus... There are things that have been known to the world from beginningless time and yet do not exist even conventionally in as much as reason contradicts them. As examples, one can cite the essence that ignorance superimposes on things, the essentially existent I, mine, conceived by the reifying view of the perishing aggregates or the object of the convent- conception that yesterday's mountain is today's mountain. Therefore, it is not the case that Madyamakas conventionally accept everything that is known to the world. Some argue that in terms of conventional existence, forms, sounds and so forth, are not equivalent to the constructs of non-Buddhist philosophers for the reason that the former are known to all the world, whereas the latter are known only to the advocates of the philosophical tenets. Those who hold this position have failed to make careful distinctions. Otherwise, they would see the many unwanted implications of their argument, such as, in the conventional terms, forms and such could not be like illusions. Rather, at the conventional level, they would have to exist essentially. Um, Also, Chandrakirti's commentary on 60 stanzas of reasoning. Says, the inaccurate are those who apprehend that things in cyclic existence only as blissful and so forth, because even conventionalities, these things that do not have this nature, the con- accurate are those that apprehend these things as suffering and so forth, because these things have such a nature conventionally. He explains. So the nature of suffering, but not not an intrinsic nature. Uh, it's just saying that there conventionally is suffering. There conventionally is happiness to have, but there isn't a conve- There isn't an intrinsic bliss or an intrinsic non-dependent uh, um, uh, bliss or happiness or suffering for that matter. Um, He explains that although the permanence and so forth of the things of cyclic existence is common knowledge in the world, such conceptions are inaccurate, even conventionally. Also, even though their impermanence and so forth are not known to the world, such conceptions are inaccurate. Thus, a conceptual consciousness which apprehends the aggregates as impermanent and so forth is mistaken with regard to its appearing object, but we call it We call it accurate or non-mistaken insofar as what it discerns is not contradicted by valid cognition. Sensory consciousnesses are mistaken with regard to their appearing objects, and we do not call them non-mistaken since they have no other factor that is non-mistaken. All sensory consciousnesses are alike in being mistaken with regard to what appears to them. However... Sensory consciousnesses, such as those to which a reflection appears, are incorrect conventional consciousnesses. Other unimpaired sensory consciousnesses are correct conventional consciousnesses. This is based on whether there is an object compatible with what appears to the worldly perspective of the sensory consciousness. Just as a translator's note, this is just saying that um, there are things that conventionally exist There are things that are not conventional existence. Like there isn't an actual moon reflected. The moon in the water, it's a reflection. Um, There's the moon in the sky, but the moon in the water is a reflection. There's not a moon there. Um, So it's conventionally incorrect to think that there's a moon there. But it's conventionally incorrect to believe that intrinsically anything exists. Um, So that's what it's saying there, is that... um, thus a conceptual consciousness which apprehends the aggregates as impermanent and so forth. So when when sensory consciousness apprehends objects, it only apprehends their gross level, it sees them as a whole part, it doesn't understand that they are intrinsically not what is being apprehended. So that's what it's saying. It's incorrect in terms of it's, ulti- what it's, apprehend- it's not apprehending the ultimate nature. It's incorrect in terms of its gross apprehension because it doesn't know... That that's not a car intrinsically, but it apprehends it as such. The eye and the without having that, that um, analysis, the eye consciousness and the ear and he hears a sound and thinks it's just this one one thing coming in. It, there's no analysis that the ear does, um, so that's why it's mistaken in terms of its ultimate nature because it doesn't apprehend its ultimate nature. It apprehends its um, it, what it looks like what it appears as and it appear it, it, and it's an illusion it appears incorrectly um, so just want to go um, where did I stop off I'm sorry since since objects, yeah, since the objects conceived by conceptual consciousnesses that apprehend the aggregates as permanent and so forth do not exist conventionally, reason can refute them. However, the referent objects of the conceptions of the aggregates as impermanent, etc., do exist conventionally. Huss, hence, reason can refute them. There is no ultimate or essential permanence and so forth. Likewise, there is no ultimate or essential impermanence and so forth. Therefore, the conceptions of those eight as existing in reality are identical in their degree of accuracy. Thinking of this, the Buddha said in the Perfection of Wisdom Sutras that you are meditating on signs of true existence, whether you meditate upon forms as impermanent, permanent or impermanent, as blissful or painful, as having self or not having self. And quam. Ignorance superimposes intrinsic nature on things. For you to use reason to overcome its perspective, yet not to refute conventional objects, this is a contradiction. Because Con- Kirti's commentary on the middle way says, the sage said that because ignorance obscures the nature of phenomena, it's a concealer, the gunso. That's uh, the Tibetan gunso is the Tibetan word for what we say conventional truth, gunso demba. Um, So that's the word they're just showing you. Um, The sage said that because ignorance obscures the nature of phenomena is a concealer, the fabrication that it perceives as true are called truths for a concealer, or or conventional truth, or concealer truth. Um, We went over that. It's just a way that they can, also another way um, that some of the scholars believe that conventional truth should be, the lexicon should be concealer truth. Uh, because it hides the intended, its actual nature, its true nature. Uh, thus, Chandra Kirti says that forms, sounds, and so forth are positive as conventional truths, though the f- through the force of ignorance. Okay, question and answer, shorter today, cause, but, um, and then we'll get started with this again next time. Hey, happy Mother's Day to everyone in the room, because all sentient beings are our mothers. So. Thanks, thanks, everybody. Good job. Maybe you did a better job last time.
1: Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for um, Jeff and thank you, Rinpoche. I have a question regarding um, when you were speaking of the greatest degree of
2: positive or negative Uh and the impact that you're creating. Is that for the individual or for all of that individual's,
1: like, what they interact with?
0: No, it's just speaking of the individual's actions—the okay. worst action they've done, the medium worst, and the smallest worst. Okay. The so best action they've done. So it's their so action it, only.
1: So it's their action, and it creates the, the hell realm for only themselves. Yes. And for all, okay. Thank you.
0: The ngatsu le, drogudu ngatsu le
2: So, um, when you think about our individual mind stream that's existed since beginning this time, mm-hmm. and the Buddha, um, they have a uniqueness in that it's not cosmic consciousness, it's not everyone's, we're unique in our stream. Mm-hmm. How can that be not somehow considered essential an essential existence because it's unique? Um, it's not just one. We ha- You know, the Buddha has his own uniqueness. So I get confused about how that can be completely considered dependently originated <clears throat> in going forward for the Buddha, <clears throat> excuse me, and it not be essential because it's unique. So unique to me sounds like somehow it's essential. But unique is
0: dependently, you know what I mean? It's... Essential would mean that it didn't somehow didn't dependently originate at all. Somehow. So, no matter what, even if there is this continuing consciousness, and it's not our continuing consciousness because as soon as you say our, you think Jeff's. No, but unique. Um, it's unique in it's that separate. it is its own continuum. Yep. But it, that continuum is always dependent. There's never. It's, but it's unique it's separate it could be unique i have a different face than everyone else in here but it's still empty yeah but you're saying from beginning
2: but it's time. only unique
0: because it's the certain karmas that came together created that it's always dependently originating no matter what it can be unique and not have any essential nature It's unique, everything is unique, because it all has different causes and conditions, all has different collections coming together. So uniqueness, or having its own identity because it came together a different way than another thing came together, doesn't assert that it's intrinsically existent. It just asserts that it's named something different because
2: different collections came together to create it than the other thing. But then the Buddha's mindstream is a conventional existence. So that mindstream of never coming back into conventional, you know, like... Because there's no causes and conditions
0: within it to have to deal with. It's not never coming back to conventional. The Buddha... De- is that just a conventional designation? Is the, the Buddha the, a conventional designation then? The Buddha is what do you mean? In terms the Buddha itself, yes, is conventionally not intrinsically existent. The Buddha is just a, a collection that comes together that's designated as Buddha, just like everything. Rumiche konwa ngatsu the sheba. Susu sheba. Ngatsu sheba, nyamdu yomare. sunsang, kongit Sampa. Natsu Sheba, Ran Shin, Ronga Druba Gang Serna, Nga Sheba, dan cheran Sheba, Kakere. Dain Sunsan, Jewa Mepa, this Sheba, Sheba Chipa Gang in Jewa Mepa, the Tanda Sheba, the Nami Sheba, Nami Sheba, Nami Sheba, Nami Sheba, Jewa Mepa, this Sheba, the Rik Chipa. Kongi sampa ngatsu sheba dan susu 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 sheba, dan sunsan ngatsu sheba the the demba madru the the dendel yomare kongi sampa kongit dendel yin yin the drupa. So, Rinpoche is saying, but it is dependent because it requires causes, so it, has, it, it is, doesn't have intrinsic existence because it has causes, it dependently originates. That's all that emptiness is negating, it's independence, that it has some sort of independence that isn't caused by collection.
2: Then how can it be beginningless? It has to have had a beginning then. The cause came about from those dependent conditions from a
0: previous cause. From a previous cause from a previous cause from a previous cause.
2: But it's unique. You're the, saying there's a unique But it, it, everything's stream.
0: unique. This no, water I, bottle and the different no, companies water bottle.
2: That's a conventional so the, So
0: is everything you're talking about right now. You're talking about a consciousness, that's conventional. You're talking about Buddhist consciousness, that's conventional. The Buddhist consciousness being empty, that's all our beginningless consciousness is dependent. Why? Because it came from a previous moment's consciousness. Because there's a, a consciousness abiding that has north, south, east, and west if you will, that's in a person, there's a north, south, and east, and west of wherever that consciousness is abiding. So there's northern part of it, the southern. No matter what, you can always divide it and come up with something that's a collection that you're then naming. You'll never find this intrinsic nature. So all it's saying is, is that consciousness that's beginningless, that is unique because it has different collection than than my neighbor's consciousness. It's unique, but it's only unique because it dependently originates. It can only be unique because it dependently originates. It would all have to be the same if it wasn't empty. It would all have to be one consciousness if it wasn't empty. The reason that it can be unique is because it has, because it's empty. That's why it can be unique. Because it has different some sort of different ingredients that came together to make it different than my neighbor's consciousness so its uniqueness is because it's empty it's possible it's possible for it to be unique because it's empty because of dependent origination because like one one cause different makes this a generic water bottle A minute ago, this was a name-brand water bottle, and now it's not. This cause put onto here now makes it a name-brand water bottle. But there's no intrinsic name-brand water bottle here, because I can do this. That's it. The dandel get you Does that make sense?
2: I understand the concept, but just this, that separateness to me. Yeah, I think that, that when you think of something,
0: uniqueness. I think that it's just more English words, though, like intrinsic nature, unique. And something can be unique and not have intrinsic nature. Its uniqueness means it doesn't have intrinsic nature because it, it had to have some different part to make it unique it couldn't be unique without it being empty I mean, it's like almost it's proof that it's empty the fact that we you and i don't look the same proves that we're empty because we have different we have have to have had a different collection of causes and conditions that came together that made this experience or we'd look identical we would know the same stuff but i'm unique i don't look like you I you know what I mean what I know is different than what you know because all the parts that came together are different than the parts that came together for you.
2: Yeah, I guess it's easier to fathom if I think, you know, incorrectly I'm thinking of it like a wave coming out of the ocean, having its uniqueness and coming back into the ocean as right. opposed to that wave having always been there and just coming up as form at different points in time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Just a a series of, because there, Buddha said, because there is this, there's that. That was like his most basic teaching on dependent origination. Because there's this, there's that. Because there's this unique collection, there's Jeff. Because there's this unique collection, you know what I mean? So that, that's... But I know when you look at the English word, intrinsic nature, well, of course, like that, you know, a car has to have the, that, because it's unique. That car isn't a Ferrari, it's a Chevy. So it has to have Cheviness. And that's actually that view that is is like the second highest view. It's the middle way autonomy school that says that, okay, I get that it has to be named, but there's some Ness in there. There has to be some uniqueness. There's something that makes it a Ferrari and not a Chevy. That is in the the view right below the Prasangika. Anyone else? (laughs) If I said, does anybody want to pull one of those blue cots and take a nap? I think we'd have a whole bunch of hands. (laughs) If I could stop time and stop all of your places you have to go for Mother's Day.
1: And in a non-dual view, from like a Buddha, Buddha's view, they wouldn't even think in that way. The Buddha so simultaneous simultaneously sees. About so they everything. would. They would, even the mainstream individual mainstream. They would, a Buddha would um, uh, see things. Uh,
0: The Buddha's individual mind stream is unique, so it unique. would see things differently than us. Why is it unique? Because it doesn't have obstructions to omniscience or afflictive obstructions. So it doesn't have those parts, so it makes it unique to know simultaneously the nature of reality and the conventional nature. So the Buddha, when the Buddha sees a form, his eye consciousness or her eye consciousness isn't mistaken. It doesn't see it. Um, only as it's conventional, intact, one singular thing. It's simultaneous, Buddha simultaneously sees it empty and it's conventional somehow. I don't know how. I'm not there. But yeah, absolutely, everybody's o- everybody's experience of the world depends on their own in- unique um, c- collections. So... Everybody's experience of the, the in this room right now is different because of the unique collections and imprints that are guiding the experience that we're having. Some of us may be completely moved today and it might change our lives. Some of us might never want to come back again. Some of us, just another day, just went by and didn't really get much from it because we're thinking of other stuff but that experience that each of us had that was unique was because of the unique collections that we have. And and they're not unique in that they're special, they're just different because we did different things and they're maybe in a different order of uh, fruition in terms of their um, degrees within our continuums and degrees of of connectivity too. Like, um, you know, you might have something that's very very strong that you would think would throw you one karmically into something very terrible and there might be a weaker karma that would give rise to something wonderful but if the conditions are appropriate to link with the weaker karma then you'd still experience the wonderful but it doesn't mean that the terrible is not in the bank so it's like this these things are all just occurring based on so much interdependence, our experiences. It's a give-and-take experience. We're experiencing from what we're experiencing. So when we experience something and react, we're creating conditions for other karmas to ripen. So they say, all right, concluding mandal offering and dedication prayer. Thank you, everyone, again. Appreciate it. Tu Narimba The Chirondetsu, the Shegu, or the... the, Okay. I asked if he had anything else he wanted to say. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of all teachings and... Beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of the to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, source of all things. All-powerful, Avalokiteshvara, Tenzin Yatsa, stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Ken Sarwanda, upholder of crucial and realization doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, exceptionalism.